Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today my guest is actor and close friend of mine, Julian Gavilanes. Julian is an awesome actor that I have seen crush the co-star, the guest star circuit. He has so many credits and he's so giving about what it takes to start this journey as an actor. His story's incredible and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Here it is. Julian Gavilanes. Hello. What's up, man? Hey, man. It's good to see you. You too. You've been like a homie of mine because we met through your best friend, Uh Alan Stone, who I wish I could probably put music on this, but I don't want Columbia Records to sue me. Whatever, man. Yeah. (laughs) I'll get get the right. But then we became homies. Yeah. Uh, God, that was like 2011, eight years ago. Yeah, was it when we, was it, was it when? Because it was right prior, after, I think it was prior to me even moving to New York. Yeah, it was, because uh, I was on tour. They were Jack's opening mannequin. for us at that time. Yeah. And it was before, it was like right when they did their Conan thing, and then that record really started to take off. Mm-hmm. But fuck Alan Stone, we're here to talk fuck about you. Guy. Yeah, dude, so I've been a homie of yours, but I've been watching you crush it, man. Yeah. You've, you've been getting those co-star guest stars like it's nobody's business. Yes. Mr. Robot, yeah. Blue Bloods, Gotham. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning, though. Cool. You grew up in Washington, right? Yep. Yeah. Seattle, like 20 minutes north of Seattle, a little town called Mill Creek. And and what was that like? What do your parents do? Uh, it was like a suburban, upper middle class neighborhood, um, predominantly white and Asian um, and we were actually like one of the first families that lived in that neighborhood. Um, my, my whole childhood is really like, uh, what I thought it was, what kind of turned out to be like, not as much of what it was as what I thought when I was a kid. My parents split up when I was about 11 years old. And before I was, before they did split up, I was under the impression that we were a perfect family. Yeah. That we were like, we grew up in a really big house in really nice cul-de-sac. Like I, I, I was watching Richie Rich with Macaulay Coke, and I thought I was him. In fact, so much so that I actually had a safe in my parents' uh, walk-in closet when I was a kid, and it had $99 in it. And I intentionally didn't put an extra dollar in there because if I had $100 in my mind, I would be the richest boy in the world. Wow. And and nobody told me that. Nobody said that this was like what it was or how it was going to be. I just believed from watching these movies and kind of having this connection to Macaulay Coke as a kid that – I was also like this super rich, well-off kid. Yeah, and you're, you're, and, and in hindsight, it's so crazy. It's so crazy that that was what I was thinking because every every single thing that I thought about myself and everything that I thought about my family. I mean, don't get me wrong; my family was very loving, and you know, my parents were were great and very supportive of me. What did they do? My, my dad's an immigration and personal injury attorney. Wow, came from Ecuador when he was sixteen. Thought he was in Washington D.C. And found out that he was in Washington State. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are all these trees doing? Where's the Capitol building? What am I doing here? Spoke not a lick of English. Wow. Um, yeah, figured out how to uh, basically like fit. He, he put himself through college. He finished high school in Washington and then went to like the community college and then got himself uh, over at UW, University of Washington. Wow. Went to law school, like put himself through all of it on like a Kentucky fried chicken salary and um and yeah like now has owned his own private practice for like 40 
50, 40 something years. Incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And my, and my mom worked in the travel business. Okay. Um, so she was like a travel agent. Before the Orbitz Google self-booking thing became a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. When I was yeah. a kid, yeah. And she, you know, she, we just, I just, I, all I remember about that is is that she was able to get us super discounted travel. And so we would always be going to Mexico's and Club Meds and Hawaii, but oh, wow. most m- most often uh, Ecuador. And so we spent like half of my childhood wow. back and forth between Ecuador and so here. Then talk to me, because like 11, you know, you're you're almost a teenager, mm-hmm. but you have an awareness. Was that really hard, having your parents divorced at that age? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, honestly, it was, it, it came as such a shock to me because, again, I thought I was like this perfect kid in this perfect bubble yeah. of this world. You know, I remember kids taking carpools uh, with kids parents home and they, and we would pull up to my driveway and because this house that I grew up in was really big and, and really nice and kids would look up at it and be like wow you live in a really big house and I'd be like yeah, I know yeah you know, like, and I kind of feel a little bit of guilt about it because totally. I was like I'm I'm really I'm I'm like really awesome yeah my, my life is really great and yeah. like in my mind for some real weird reason I just thought that I had this exceptional thing um, so when they broke up, I was, it, it, I didn't even know how, I just didn't, it didn't compute in my brain. Yeah. How could, you guys were perfect. Yeah. Why would this ever happen? Did you have siblings to help you I go had, through I it? I had two older brothers. Yeah. Who were both like, one was 17 and one was like 15. And so they were kind of in a different um stage of their lives. Yeah. It, interestingly enough, I, I'm like starting to write a story kind of about our experience as a as a unit as a family but through everybody else's point of view because each story is is completely different totally what the way that i responded and reacted to that split was completely different from i remember my my oldest brother he found the news this was on mother's day of like 1998 um mother's day i was walking in with like cereal with you know bananas in him or something for my mom for as a gift and she was crying and uh and my and she was I was like, What are you crying for? It's Mother's Day, like you should be happy. Go walk over to your dad's room. My dad was living in the um extra guest bedroom for like three years, but I just thought that was because he snored. That was the that was the narrative they had created for me to well, kind of buy into. So it went on for a while before you knew. Well yeah. Yeah. Not to mention they spoke in Spanish to each other. Both ah. my parents are bilingual and never taught us Spanish because they didn't want us to understand what they were saying. Got it. Which is like so fucked up. <laughs> I know. You know, like, and, and yeah. like, honestly, like something that I'm really upset about because now I don't really know Spanish that well. Yeah. And, I, and as an Ecuadorian, it's hard for me to even identify. Especially with our last names and when people see us, yeah. and it's like, do you speak Spanish? Oh, yeah. It's like, fuck. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and also just by, based off of the way that I look. Yeah. Like, you look like a white douchebag. Yeah. And you don't look Ecuadorian at all. Same thing. Oh, and you don't speak Spanish? Yeah. Yeah, you're a real asshole. <laughs> and so, so my parents, my parents spoke in Spanish to each other and, and, uh, that was their fighting language and wow. we didn't know. And so I remember like I went back and forth, back and forth to my mom and my dad. Both of them were crying. I never seen my dad cry in my life. I was like, Jesus, man, what is going on? I'm 11 years old. Like I thought we were perfect. What's going on? My dad says, I'm, I'm moving out. Okay. It hits me. and I'm like floored. I become an attorney for the whole day, just like fight, arguing with my parents, back yeah. and forth, like trying to get them to, you know, make sense to mediate. Little did I know that there had like the, my whole existence there had been shit going on with Got them it. you know there was infidelity and there was you know on both parts yeah uh, it was ugly yeah and i had no idea the whole the giant house we lived in was uh was all on credit 
Wow. It, like none of it was ours. We didn't own any of it. Like it was all. It was a facade. It was all a facade. Yeah. I, but I did. I wouldn't know this until about twenty-five years old. Wow. So, but back to what I was talking about. I remember my my oldest brother. He was. He got this information. I got this information. I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah. My middle brother got this information, and he was kind of like walking around in circles around the house, kind of like processing it, thinking he was much more intellectual about it. And my oldest brother was doing push-ups, and I'll never forget. He was just sitting there, like like on the ground, just like angry push-ups like, <clears throat> weird i thought that was so weird that he was doing those push-ups so and, and and when i think back to that that's why i i feel like it would be such a cool story to to tell from each person's point of view because it's completely my story yeah about my parents is completely different than my brother's stories about my parents and my parents story about them totally um and so it it, it was a real shock and it, and it really kind of just like took me by surprise and uh, what were your then, coping mechanisms? Did you turn to the arts? Was that something? No, that... no. You know, my, my my brothers were were pretty rough on me growing up. Um, Tough love, kind of. Almost not even. My middle brother was like nice, n- nice, friendly. Like yeah. he would like WrestleMania with me on that. We had a trampoline, and yeah. he would like, you know, be like, "All right, Julian, this is the this is where I." like beat the shit out of you really hard and you just kind of like have to take it but it's all for like it's all for the scene right yeah. and so he was the more of the entertainer than I was he yeah. was always putting on these plays and these scenes and he'd beat the shit out of me for that purpose like yeah. this is WWE, for the, this is for the entertainment yeah. but it would it would he honestly beat me up harder than my older brother but it was all in fun my oldest brother uh would beat me up wow. like come home and just like and you know be really pissed off at me we went to different high school he, he went to a he, i didn't go to high school at the same time as him but he went to a different school outside of both of my, my my middle brother and myself and i don't know what it was man i didn't have a real relationship with him growing up yeah i i, I saw into his bedroom uh, of the house that i lived in for the 15 years of my life twice I, I only saw that part of the house wow. two times because I just, I didn't know how to approach him and he was just angry with me most of the time and I was, uh, I was scared of him. Are you guys closer now? Yeah, we're super buds now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It took me beating the shit out of him on a family cruise um, and just kind of like releasing all of that yeah, yeah. to, to kind of get back. And, I get it. Uh, and then five years of like unspoken nothingness Yeah. and then, you know, him coming in apologizing and, and us kind of rekindling that thing that never was. Uh, and, and we've been buds ever since, which is which is great. That's great. Well, then um, talk to me. When did when did the art start coming into your life? Because your best friend is a superstar now. Yeah. But at a young age, was he singing a lot? You know, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't actually friends with him until after high school. Got like, it. Until like high school finished. Got it. He came and stayed with me um, our senior year. So up to to that point um my my brother and i actually started getting into um music arts so my brother was a drum my middle brother was a drummer and still is uh but he played in like five different bands through high school and then to college and then post college and everything super talented drummer uh in a bunch of really cool bands that i really liked he was in these like ska bands and like math rock bands oh, and wow. weird all this weird shit he's super creative dude um and he approached me when i was uh, you know like 15 16 or something because i'd started my approach to coping was just like i was getting high i was getting stoned i was getting drunk yeah i didn't have any rules both my parents became absent after that divorce yeah 
And both my brothers then thereafter left and went to college. And you were on your own. And I was on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have anybody to tell me what, what to do or what not to do. And, you know, I, I, my parents weren't, they weren't like in, intentionally trying to avoid me or trying to like let, let me do any of these things. They just, they were just so focused on what they were focused on that they, um, had a hard time trying to like manage my life and what right. was going on with me. And so I just resorted to, to, to booze and, and drugs and just got into, you know, no, nothing hard, but I was just a giant stoner. Yeah. And with that, I started writing raps. <laughs> Interesting. And, and I got really into kind of, uh, articulating what was going on in my life through that medium. Uh, and as silly as it kind of sounds in retrospect, you know, like, though this, like, suburban white kid going through a divorce, like, whoa, is him? Like, it wasn't, you know, it's not like it's that big of a deal. But for me in my life, I was, what I was going through was being put down on paper. And yeah. I was, and it had nothing to do with, like, I got money and I got cars. Yeah. And I, it wasn't, like, a traditional hip-hop style of, yeah. of, of artistic expression. It was just my only way that I knew how to... To, to put it out because you were a, a hip-hop enthusiast or? i loved i loved tupac i was Got super it. into tupac i just i and and i started getting into like other um rappers as well at the time like tech nine i don't know if you remember yeah tech nine. i totally remember had this like really fast yeah like, like almost drum-like uh rhythm and tempo to his to his rap and flow and i just thought that was i thought it was so cool and so i tried to emulate that and so i started writing music my brother then came and said, Hey man, like I'm a drummer. I'm also a producer. I can like, let's make a band. And so we started this hip hop duo that we called Los Fancy Lads. Nice. <laughs> we're, we're Irish and Ecuadorian. So we kind of fused the two, um, the Los as in, yeah. uh, and then Fancy Lads, um, with a Z. And we were, it was, it was like kind of billed as like this silly hip hop brother duo. Um, and, and and it was just us talking about what we were going through. And you know? so you were performing these pieces that you wrote. So we wrote a whole, we wrote uh, a ton of songs, and then we turned it into an album, which was called the Audio Circus. Got and it. we took it on the road. And you know, we at first it was just us going into bars and getting paid in like bottles of Maker's Mark. Yeah. And getting hammered drunk. I was like 17 years old. There was a couple bars actually while I was in high school that were actually shut down because I went in there and I was getting hammered drunk. And they got caught. And they got caught. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so. That's a hefty fine. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was, a, it yeah. was, a, it was, it wasn't just a fine. Like <laughs> these businesses were shut down. They lost crazy. their license. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Mr. Smith's, I think it was in Seattle was one of the ones that. Was <laughs> that. Sorry about that. Whoever's yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was great because we were performing and I was really getting my first taste of stage uh uh presence and what it was like to be on stage and have people kind of respond to what it was that i was doing and did it feel natural to you or was it was it, that something it, you, it, you I, I i don't know i felt like I, I my brother was a big influence my middle brother who was the one that i was doing this with and that he had been performing for so long yeah and i wanted to have my own voice with all this stuff and i thought that i and i and i think i got really good at the whole rap style of things and um i was i was really engaged in in it and i was you know my 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 raps were getting better and i was and i was just i really loved it and uh yeah he he was kind of like just influencing me to to continue to practice and continue to get better with it and and i felt i felt like i was 
more interested in giving a performance than I was in actually articulating what I was trying to say. Like I would go on stage, for example, and I was, I was a fat kid for a while. And, uh, back then while we were performing, I was much heavier than I am now and just unhealthy and not, you know, taking care of myself, drinking all the time and smoking pot. And so I would be on stage and I would be like throwing backflips off the stage and like dancing in the crowd. And it was all for the spectacle of like, yeah, I didn't know what else to do besides be outrageous. Totally. So it was like, let me be as crazy as I can possibly be. Like that Chris be. Farley. Just that's like, it. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And yeah. I was like, I, cause I don't know how I'm going to get people to respond unless I am like the wildest person. Ultimate the stimulus. The yeah. wildest, yeah. craziest person. So I remember rapping trying to like get these words out first of all rapping is really hard to do live yeah. on stage because it's just like breathing control is totally. really hard and also i was like so fat that i was just sweating into my eyes <laughs> and i like i couldn't see and i'd be like throwing backflips off the stage and i'd be coming up and like i'd like fall down on the ground like on the stage and just like <gasps> while rapping at the yeah. same it was just like geez man you're like this is you're this is horrible totally. i have some videos of watching it and stuff but but i just remember being like god I love because because people people dug it you know there, it wasn't like there was a ton of people coming yeah. to the show. we didn't have a huge fan base but the people that did were like but they they fed off of that energy and totally. I realized that wow if I give that type of energy I'm gonna receive it back and that kind of became like this this um, this kind of part of how I approached life from there on out yeah it's like I'm gonna be the craziest guy in the room every time that I enter that way people can validate me and know that I'm like, I'm crazy yeah. and I'm, and I'm wild. Cause I, I was very impressionable and I, and I thought that, uh, whatever people told me I was, that was what I was. And I wanted to be something, I wanted to be something fun and cool and likable. And so I just became that, that version of myself, which, and, and, and I like, oh, to a fault, you know, yeah. because I, cause I wanted so badly to just like, continue to be that guy that it became this like expectation that every time Julian entered the room, oh shit, something's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's like, that's what came from being part of that band, but also the feeling of, I love, I do love being on stage Performativity. and I, do, and, I, and, I yeah. and I do love just, I guess I just love, you know, just want attention, man. Like, yeah. I just want, of and yeah. I hadn't had like, you know, I have a bunch of really close friends back home, but I didn't have any, like, I, I don't know, man. I didn't have any, like, mentors. I didn't have anybody, like, trying to guide me through it. And so I felt like I was a leader of my own by just, like, being on stage and talking to people and having people respond and yeah. clap. And, wow, this feels amazing, man. This feels so good. Um, so how did you find acting or how did it find you? Ah, uh, man. I, like, I think I wanted to be an actor when I was really young. I went and did one of these, like, modeling agency oh when the, I was a the, kid. The one of those scam things John Robert Powers yeah. was what it was called thousand dollars weekend yeah, workshop yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I know and uh, yeah. you know my mom was just like okay you know you're like and I was probably like 13 or 14 so she was like okay you deserve like something like we want to I want to get give you it a involved. try yeah. but also because I was like I was really misguided at that point. Yeah. Know? And so she put me in there and I remember doing like a runway modeling, like, like <laughs> thing. Like, I was like, what the Cause fuck? the fashion scene in Washington. Yeah. Is, it's great. Huge, yeah. <laughs> but it was just like one of the classes of like 10 classes yeah. that were part of this thing yeah. that, I, that we paid for. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of it, they were like, yeah, we're going to like, you know, we want him to go to LA for this casting workshop. Um, there's a ton, like the Disney channel is casting out of there. And, the, yeah. and I was like, Oh my God, I'm seeing stars. This is amazing. Yeah. All I want to do. And I remember telling kids, 
telling kids in a in like middle school that I was already on the Disney Channel before, like because I had heard this news that I could go to L.A. and you were just believing it. I was just like I was just like I believed I was Macaulay Culkin, the richest kid in the world. Yeah, I was like I'm I'm going to I'm 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 going to be on the Disney Channel. Therefore, I am on the Disney Channel. I get it. And I was telling kids this and like. Nobody, we didn't have Facebook or yeah. internet back then to like yeah. look it up and, and see. <laughs> I was just like, just wait, it's gonna come, it's gonna yeah. happen, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, it never did. Yeah. And then uh, we didn't decide to do that because they were like, yeah, it's gonna be like eight thousand yeah. dollars to go. Yeah. And we, my mom was just like, look, I can't afford that. Also, like, I don't think I want to afford that. I think yeah. It's a scam. Yeah. And I was just, I was like a little heartbroken, but I kind of got it at the same time. Yeah. Like, Whatever, fuck it. Yeah. So I went back to smoking joints and drinking alcohol again, and. uh and yeah, I didn't. I so I guess I wanted. I, w- I wanted to be famous. Yeah, I guess when I was. But you a kid. weren't sure how. I didn't know how yeah. to be an actor. I didn't even know that was a job. Yeah, you know? and it didn't really happen until um, I was like twenty four. I was in a seven year relationship. Back was, in Washington. Back in Washington. Yeah, from like eleventh grade till I was twenty four. Uh, seventeen twenty four. Wow. With this kind of high school sweetheart girl that I was just like thought you were gonna marry girl. probably. I, I was certain. Yeah. yeah. It was it, we were definitely going in that direction. We were domestic partners. We had, you know, it's like we Living were common together. law married, yeah. Wow. Um because we had been together for so long and we had lived together for so long. And uh yeah, we broke up because I uh I I actually slept with another girl and woke up in the woke up in the bed next to another girl uh, after the seven years of being with this girl. And it was the only time that I'd ever done this. I got blacked out. And, on, and You didn't to, remember doing to, it. To, to both of our credits, we, we, we probably should have broken up like two years earlier than yeah. this. But we just didn't know how because yeah. we, we, we weren't we – weren't, Equipped with the, totally. with the ability to talk or communicate. Yeah. We didn't, well, we, we, we grew up together. Totally. So we were going to stay. And this was kind of my like cowardly approach to, to, to finding an exit strategy. And so I, I woke up with this girl, had completely blacked out yeah. all of it. Uh, and I went and I told her and, uh, she told me to get out of the house. She never wanted to see me again. I walked out of the apartment that her and I had together. Um, and to this day, I haven't seen her. Uh, I know what like that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You met um, an ex of mine. I've not spoken to yeah, her. Which is sucks, man. Yeah. I know some people that are still friends with their ex. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I, it would be cool if it went that way. But m- more often than not, love has to turn to hate, right. you know, and that's the only way to cope. Yeah. And so then were you, were you broken at this point? So I was super broken because I didn't know. I had developed my own identity through this whole like being the craziest guy in the room type yeah. of thing and being like the fun loving crazy charismatic dude that walks into parties and yeah gets the cool townie yeah yeah, and, yeah. Like, and you know i had the hottest girlfriend in town and by this point i was like the fattest i'd ever been i was like yeah. 80 pounds relationship comfort now. man yeah oh God, it was gross and uh and yeah we broke up and i was like you know i was just if there was ever a time that i that i had like the the feeling of being like suicidal it was then you know i was just super depressed i and also i was taking it even more out on myself because i was the one that committed the cause i get it you know i did that thing and she didn't want to talk to me it was it was really rough for about a year and i was living in between a bunch of different friends places couch surfing and just really trying to figure out what it was going to be that i was going to do yes because now because i because i like went to community college for like five years and got like 18 credits out of that whole yeah. five years because i was just like you weren't dialed in i was yeah. yeah i was preoccupied with everything else that i was trying to do with my life yeah. which was really nothing i didn't know yeah. I did, but i knew there was something i knew there was like this one thing that i 
that I would do eventually and be good at. Yeah. I just didn't know what that was. And that was honestly probably just me being an arrogant asshole thinking that I was good enough to do anything. Totally. Uh, so I, I, we, I was just so lost. And I remember taking these like career acuplacer tests. Like, what Trying should fit, I do? Yeah. What should I do? Like desperately. Because I, the last thing that I was willing to do was just default to some kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Like I didn't want to go. I, I tried. I, after I finally finished community college, I went to the University of Washington for like, uh, semester and just couldn't like get into it yeah was really uninspired was just like not i just didn't care and i was i just knew that there was something else out there and so i um i i just was like going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth like i was going to be a dive guide or like a dive instructor i was going to think about going to the uh divers institute of seattle wow. and then i was getting like thinking about going back into music production because we the music yeah. thing stopped yeah. slowly but surely like we kind of fizzled out and i knew too that like i wasn't able to produce music i just was able to perform yeah. it and i was just never gonna be like it I, to produce and to be a part of that business didn't seem that appealing to me yeah um which is when i met alan and alan and i started to make music together as well uh, and although I was good at it, I was just like, I just don't, I don't see myself, my I don't see myself being like a rapper, yeah. you know, in my life and into, into my future. And I went out to dinner with a buddy one night and I was just struggling like really hard. Cause you know, when you don't, you, when you want to know exactly what you're going to do, it's like, this is like the quarter life crisis moment, right? Yeah. Like this, this, this time where you're like, I know that I have something that I'm supposed to do with my life. I just don't know what that thing is. Yeah. And we went out to dinner and I was like, all right, man, like I've decided I'm going to go and I'm going to backpack through Latin America for two years. And I'm going to just have all these great experiences. I'm heartbroken. I'm going to go like rebuild myself and I'm going to, you know, just go out there by myself and like have this kind of like coming of age story for myself. And in the car, I remember we were in my driveway and he said, you know, that's a great idea. I think that's really cool. And I think that you'll garner a lot of really incredible relationships and experiences out of, out of doing just that. But you're going to come back eventually and you're going to be in the exact same place that you're at right now. Yeah. You can't escape it. And I was like, Oh shit, man. You're right. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm no, I'm like wherever you go, there you are kind of expression, you know? And I was just like, Oh man, what will, then I guess I have to figure out what it is that I'm going to do. And in that moment, I went inside to my dad's house and I got online and I started looking at acting schools. It just like, it just kind of fell on to me into my head yeah. that I was going to act. And I just started looking at acting, what that was, what that would be. Totally. And, uh, it brought up a bunch of like schools out in New York and, you know, LA, all these things like London, all yeah. these academies and stuff. And, I was like, Jesus, am I really going to do that? Like, what is this? Am I really going to do this? And so to try and test it, I went and, uh, I signed up for like, a uh, extras casting site. Yeah. And I went to my first extras gig where I showed up and it was Stephen Gyllenhaal, who's Jake and Maggie's father. Yeah. He's a cinematographer, right? He's a and director. Yeah. And a director. And yeah. uh, he does a lot of episodic work, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was directing this film in Seattle called Grassroots, which was a, uh, Jason Biggs and Joel David Moore flick, uh, this like political humor, funny movie. Got it. And so I went on and I like, I sat 
on the couch in the first, I was there the first day and he placed me on the couch in the house that Jason Biggs was living in. And just by nature of sitting on the couch and that's in the scene that he kind of shot around, I became the drunk roommate of that of that movie. Wow. Like the guy that was just kind of there in that. In Did the you back, have lines? Or? No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Of course not. But I got to be on set for like three weeks while they were shooting that. Damn. Thing. And I, and I got to see kind of like what a, what, what a film, film set, set looks like. like. I was, and, and, and although I was an extra, I was kind of like the one extra that was there the longest. So yeah. like I was getting to know Jason a little bit. I was getting to know some of the other actors. Um, and also most importantly, the second, second AD, uh, who became a close friend of mine. And I was telling him, you know, I was, I really want, I think I want to get into acting. I yeah. think this is my, this is my path. Especially being there for three weeks. Film sets are, oh, there's yeah, a lot man. of money oh, and it's, yeah. it's addicting. Totally. Yeah. And I, and, and I was just like, this is so great. I think everybody here seems to be having such a fun time. Yeah. Everybody has like a sense of purpose. Everybody's doing what they want to do. Yeah. And they, and they've like, they've gotten here. Because they wanted to be here. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this is so magical. I, I just, I need to find a way to be on these sets more often. Was and there a bumbling film scene in Washington at that time? Or it was just, a, it was kind of always the same. It was yeah. okay. It yeah. It was fine. I mean, there, it ebbed and flowed. There were yeah. some big movies that came out in the earlier uh, years. Um, I don't even remember what, <laughs> what they were. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't big. You know, yeah. they had like a couple, a couple like. I mean, shows so you knew you, and, you had to make a move if you wanted to pursue it. Well, I didn't know at this point. Yeah, I had no idea. You know, I was just, uh, I, I was romantic. The idea of doing it for me. So, I made friends with this second second. I said I wanted to be an actor. He said, "Let me introduce you to my parents, who were directors and production managers in Seattle." And his mom brought me on as a PA for commercials that she was production managing. Wow. And so then I got this experience on the opposite side of things yeah. on the production end as a PA, just basically getting my ass kicked Doing on these, that com fucking on these commercials. Labor. Yeah. And I, but then like, they were like, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to pay you like $200 a day. I was like, what? Yeah. You're going to pay me to be on these sets for like, that's a lot of money. This is crazy. This I mean, you realize how much work it is. Yeah, you're like doing 18 <laughs> hours. stands, yeah, moving yeah, a yeah, thousand oh, pound yeah. heights. Plus I'm like yeah. the only like big Sandbag. dude on the, on the set. And so like, I'm just, I'm just setting up tents and yeah. like lunch and everything for everybody. Watching everyone else have a great time. Oh, yeah, sweating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at at the same time, it, it gave me opportunity when I had downtime to go and talk to actors, ask them, you know, where, how, how, did, how, you you, how did you do this? What yeah. are you doing? And to this day, those actors will still remind me of like walking into the wardrobe unit and being like with my little notepad being like, hey, man, like, what's the trick? What's yeah. the trick? And like writing down these notes because thereafter, about six months of doing uh, PA work. I got enough information to go out and find an agent in, got in Washington. It. In Washington, yeah. And this woman, I went in, I got a meeting with her, uh, and I went in with a blank piece of paper, like as a joke. I thought it was charming and cute because yeah. I didn't have any experience. I yeah. didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, she was like, you're an idiot. Um, you're cute though. And like, you're, you seem to be genuine and, and nice and wanting to do this. So why don't you go take a casting workshop with this woman who I typically send my actors to? Went and did the workshop, blew my fucking mind because I had never been exposed or introduced to anything actually acting outside of the sets yeah. i didn't know what acting was technique I method didn't know, i didn't know yeah. i didn't know yeah i just thought it was like you just you just say you know, lines you just say lines and pretend yeah. to feel things yeah and it just blew my mind i was like this this is it like if i if i thought i knew then i definitely knew now that yeah. this was what i wanted to do so like, i can i can really get into this i can really buy in and so i i got with this 
I went back to the agent. She had me do like a Coke commercial, kind of like read type thing and saw how I worked. She's like, all right, fine. Like, you know, again, you're, also, you're charming. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, let's, let's work. Let's give let's it a freelance. Yeah. I'll put you out on some stuff. So sure enough, she put me out on my first audition ever, which was this film called Fat Kid Rules the World. Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard was yeah. the director. Now, 90s guy. Now, now my impression of acting at this point was this. I didn't have any preconceived notion of what was going on. So I walk into the room and it's Matthew Lillard. Right? Do you remember and, him? Like scream? 90? Totally. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is how auditions take place. Like, yeah. There's always going to be a celebrity in the room. Yeah. Like of this course. is just how it works. Yeah, yeah. Because a- it was him. Because he was directing it, and then uh, like the casting director and yeah. like a and a and a, and a reader or whatever. And so uh, he, he, you know, I was just like, oh, this is like this is how it's going to be. Like, let me just be cool. Like, I'm not going to act like I care. But yeah. I just cared a lot. Yeah. And interestingly enough, he. He got up and started reading with me, and the and the role it's like a punk rock film, like coming yeah. of age punk rock story, and uh, the role I was reading for was like this this bandmate in in the band of the of like the lead character, and we're kind of punks and and just shitty kids, and it's a fighting scene, and so we're doing the dialogue, and I've had it all memorized, and I'm doing it. And Matt gets up, he gets up out of the chair, and he stands up in front of the desk, and he's kind of reading it with me, reading it with me, and I'm doing it, and he comes up, he approaches me, and he kind of shoves me in the chest, and I'm like. Oh, that's that's weird. Yeah, like I keep going, keep going with the dialogue. Like, comes up, he shoves me again. He keeps saying the dialogue. He's like, "What are you gonna fucking do about it, bitch?" And I'm just like, "Ah, "Like this is again, like this is what happens in auditions. I guess (laughs) this is how it works." So like, they're testing me. Let me just roll with it. He did it like four times, and like got to the point where I was like. Yo, fuck you, man. And I went right up into his face and I shoved him right back H- hard. Cause I was like, I was just getting frustrated yeah, at this point. Of course. I was just pissed off. Stop at, like, fucking with my audition. I was, yeah. I was yeah. like, dude, like, I get it. You're a fucking celebrity and like, yeah. you're cool, but like, don't, like, don't I just be... thought he was humiliating me. Yeah. And I got really pissed. And in that moment, I just shoved him back and I was like, dude, fuck. And I like broke the character yeah. or stayed in character, however, yeah. you, however he was looking at it. And I just started kind of shouting at him. I was like, dude, don't fucking, don't fucking touch me, man. Like, yeah. I don't want to be touched. I'm coming in here doing this thing for you. I've memorized all this shit. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah. And he was like, yes, dude. Yes. That's exactly what I want to see. That's exactly what I want to see. So long story short, he sent me into another room and basically had me just scream the dialogue and get super crazy with it. And I was like in a, in a glass room of the casting office outside of the room he was conducting these auditions in. And I'm sitting in there just screaming these lines. It's a very strange thing that he had me do as like yeah. an exercise. And I, I, all the while, like eight different actors that look just like just you, outside, <laughs> like looking at me, wondering what the fuck this kid's doing, yeah. screaming these lines. But I look out, and he's standing at at the window, just like with his hand, with his fist in the air, just like yes, dude. it's you, yes. And he casted me. And this is my first experience with an audition. Yeah, first audition. And you booked it. And I booked it. And so then I went on and I did the movie and it was great. It was a great experience. I had a blast. I got to meet Matt and like, you know, really get close to him. Did he kind of become a mentor? Totally. Yeah. You know, I was, I was being a mentor to another little kid at the time. I had gotten involved in kind of like a big brother esque type of program and was, uh, uh, I befriended this, this young kid named Hunter in a children's hospital and, and at through the Ronald McDonald house. And I thought it would be really interesting if I, if I like got, Shaggy from the Scooby Doo yeah. to come with me to the hospital or to at least like sign some autographs yeah. or something. Did he? So I asked him, I was like, Hey dude, will you like, would you mind signing some autographs or like doing something? He was like, I- I'm not going to do that for you, dude. 
And I was like, oh, oh yeah, 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 sorry for even asking. He was like, no, man, I'm going to come to Children's Hospital with a bathtub full of gifts in character, and we're going to fucking bring the house down. Damn. I was just like, yes, What dude. a bro. So, like, not yeah. only did I have the experience of being on set with him and getting to know him in that you capacity. You built a real relationship. But we got to go to the Children's Hospital. We got to have a real moment and, like, watch this, this, this kid who had terminal cancer kind of, like, cure himself through the power of love, man. Yeah. Like, this kid, Hunter, is now, like, 14 years old, still a really close friend of mine. Um, and and Matt's and uh, and yeah, like Matt became like a real mentor. Shout out Matthew for, Lillard, yeah, what a yeah. bro, man! Yeah, it was great, man. It was really really cool. And he, you know, he I even lived in L.A. for like a year thereafter. You did, and, and yeah, I would go over to his house and like do readings with him, and he would invite me to plays. And he was a real uh, like instrumental person in in me trying to and like I, I was I was so eager to work that I was just like. I want to do this. I want to do that. I was like, should I get a publicist? He was like, dude, shut the fuck up, Julian. You're yeah. like, you're nobody yet. Yeah. Like, practice patience and put in work. And I just, was he the one who kind of encouraged you to go to LA? Not, not even. No, no. I, just, I, I, I mean, I know they're kind of far apart, but LA seems reasonable move from Washington. Yeah, but it wasn't because I moved to I moved to New York. So what happened was that I booked like three other projects if, immediately following the Fat Kid Rules the World. Twenty One and Over. Twenty One right? and Over was one of them, which was like you know a, a shitty Miles Teller film. A shitty Miles Teller. Not film. Not that there's like, ever been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> You don't like it? You didn't like Whiplash? Uh, I got a lot of complicated oh, feelings. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, 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 he was in it, and it was like, you know, the directors or writers of, like, the Hangover flicks and stuff like that. So I was, like, in this big studio film that I thought was going to be fucking blockbuster style. Yeah. You know, whatever. It was, For me, yeah. I hadn't they, done anything. They spent money on that movie. They, they were trying to make it. American Pie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went and I did that, and then I went and did another television show and like a couple commercials and i was like it, i'm booking everything back to back to back to so back you to back. had the exact opposite experience as every actor does as, you, you well, just yeah this as, was this was it what, was working out really organically i thought this was how it happens yeah i was like okay and if it doesn't happen this way this is how this is my story yeah and this is how it happens for me because again to go back to like my 11 year old self i was like there's something about me that's exceptional. Totally. And I believe that now again because yeah. I'm, I've fallen into that delusional self belief. We totally. all have it. Yeah. I was like, great. I'm going to like, I'm just going to skyrocket and I'm going to kill it. I'm, I'm going to be the next. Like I was looking at Miles and I was just like, he, I was, he was like doing some, he were done you like friendly with him? Yeah. Yeah. I, like I was there like Seattle tour guide for like, the whole month they were shooting out there. Wow. So like we got fucking drunk and like had parties and went crazy and i went and had like the rap party with them in la it was great they're they were super fun guys but at that time they they were far from where they are now yeah um who was the other co-lead uh, Sk skyler aston oh skyler's blown up yeah, yeah. and justin sean yeah who, who like does a lot he's in directing now and doing a lot of really cool stuff so then with right. all these bookings at this point you're you you go to la and you're like let's no i come to new york i'm like all right i'm gonna do this i, I thought of it as a slingshot theory which was that i was gonna pull myself back Back to kind of shoot myself forward. I I'm gonna love come out that. to LA. I'm gonna come out to New York. I'm gonna train. And 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 it just so happened that there was I I, I came out to New York and I auditioned for like nine schools. Um and this conservatory called the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts just offered me the free tuition to come. Did you did you get into all nine? I got into like seven of the nine. The yeah. two of which were like NYU and like uh Circle in the Square. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Didn't, which didn't Ke bring Kevin me Bacon went, I am NYU. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well you're fucking too good for me. Hey, you got more credits there. than me. Look how <laughs> I'm doing a podcast, <laughs> motherfucker. Hey man, I'm here with you, but uh, <laughs> and uh and and yeah, you know, I I was just like 
well, of course I'll I'll take this this free ride to come yeah, to this. That's this where that's where we met. We met at the coffee shop w- with Alan Stone. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 in like yeah. 2011 because yeah. you were just about to go to school. Yeah, and I was dating that Swedish chick. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I remember when you broke up with her, man. It was harsh. Yeah, that it was, was brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Crazy. yeah. That was story. Um, yeah. So I I came out and I went to that school and honestly, like the only reason why they were why they were funding my tuition was because they were like, oh, this kid's been in stuff. Those things are going to come out while he's at our school and we can use that as, as an alumni material yeah. to like, you know. Do they give you like a stipend for living as well? No, no. So what, I was broke as shit. I mean, I came out with money that I had made for from these films. Yeah. Because, you know, like you get into you get into acting and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, even though you're getting paid the minimum, you're yeah. like, I just I just worked two weeks on a film. I got Eight grand? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. You know, I used to be in like a bus boy. Fifteen dollars like an hour you know, getting whatever. shit on. Yeah. Two hundred dollar nineteen hour PA days. Yeah. And uh so I was like, man, this is crazy. So I came out here with like, you know, a handful of money, but I immediately I was again went, went straight back to that like I'm gonna be the coolest guy in the room yeah. every time. Buying this time drinks. this time with like credits. Yeah. I'm like I'm going to an acting school. And I'm an actor. Like, and how, I, how did the other actors perceive you? Did they know that you had credits? Did you announce it? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, you know, you can't get away from that type of stuff when you're going to a like because conservatory yeah. of like 200 people. Yeah, that are all trying to just be famous. You know, not that like, I want to like. She's a close friend, but when I went to my conservatory, Rachel Brosnahan mm. was 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 you. She yeah. she had credits. Yeah, and was doing this conservatory sure, thing. Sure, yeah. So I, I was I was. I mean, I don't think I was, I've never really been like an arrogant guy, but yeah. I've always, it's like, let's just address the elephant in the room. Like this is happening. And also people get, you know, you're in acting school, you're exposing yourself. And they hadn't come Everything. out yet. Any they of these hadn't per- come out yet. Yeah. No. And, and again, I'm like, I'm like 25 yeah. and all these kids are like 18, you yeah. know, coming out of their high schools where they were like the lead of, of, you know, Arthur Miller's yeah, death yeah, of a salesman, yeah, exactly. drama superstar thinking, thinking they're like the hot shit yeah. coming out here thinking they're going to be famous. And like, I thought the same thing, Let's yeah. like not get it twisted. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to skyrocket. Like I'm going to this school for free. Everything's yeah. been working in my favor. I booked stuff back to back. I'm like, didn't want to tell anybody that I was there for free, but I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like above everything here. Yeah. And I learned some stuff there, but I was, you know, more than anything, it was probably the best thing for me because it got me into a community really quick out here. And I just, yeah, I went back to that, like, let me be the coolest guy in the room thing. And I was buying everybody drinks, just getting hammered all the time. Just honestly, went through all the money that I had, which was, you know, probably more than I have now, (laughs) like in six months. And I was just like having like, you know, $600 nights at the bar, just like taking everybody out like yeah. all these like young underage yeah. kids and yeah. just trying to like befriend everybody totally and became popular pretty quick through through that approach yeah um but it was just you know it was dumb and then i was broke in new york as an acting student with no job yeah i was like all right shit man like what am i supposed to do now and i stayed i just i was just broke man for a long long time just figured out a way to like you know have these little odd jobs how, how long was the program it was two years i left uh, about a year and a half into it, and uh, to I, audition more. To, well, no, because I wasn't represented. I was still like kind of relying on my Seattle rep to to, to send me out. For oh, stuff. for stuff in New I, York. For, no, for stuff in Seattle. I booked a like zombie show called Z Nation out in Spokane, Washington, yeah. while I was at school. 
So I went out and I did that. And, you know, again, it was the cool thing. Like, oh, Julian's like going to this acting conservatory and he's booking work. Yeah. And like, wow, wow, wow. He's on TV. He's on movies. And it just like, I, I came back here, but I didn't have any, I didn't have any like leverage here. I didn't know what I was doing, but I still thought I was the best. So yeah. I was like, all right, the next, the next move is go to LA. Yeah. So I booked a Xbox commercial in LA through my Seattle person. And it was, uh, like this Xbox athletics thing that I did, uh, where I got to put on like the, the dots and kind of be part of the game yeah. and stuff like that. And I used that as my, uh, as my jump off point to just go and live in LA because, you know, in my mind, my trajectory was, okay, cool. You've done a bunch of movies and television shows in Seattle. Yeah. You went to N or New York and, and, your and, training. and you got the training. Yeah. Now you're going to go to LA and kill it. I went to LA. I did this job. I finished the job and I was immediately just kicked in the nuts. It was just immediate humbling of like, you, you know, I had, I had a bunch of, uh, it's a city built on one business and that's the entertainment business. Right. And, and I, everyone there is an actor. Right. And I was just, I was just so, I, I had been fed this, this belief that I was something more than what I was just yeah. because of the, just because of how I had my trajectory. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen, you know? And honestly, I don't know if I would have continued acting if I realized from the get go how hard it was to get in. Yeah. I got in so quickly and I just assumed that that was what was going to continue to happen for yeah. me. And then in LA, I was going in on, uh, agency and manager meetings and, you know, they were just like, it was just red flag after red flag. And they were like, you, like, who the fuck are you? Who do you think you are? Like, yeah. you, you aren't anybody. And if you thought you were somebody, you're not. Yeah. Like, go back to square one and start over again, bitch. And I, and like, none of that's their words, but it, that's what it was. That's what Essentially I was registering. Saying, yeah. And I was just like, this is horrible. And I just couldn't get a job. I couldn't get represented. I was getting represented for like, they'd put me on one audition that was like totally wrong for me. And then, and then it wouldn't happen. And they, and I'd like reach back out and I was just becoming like, I was becoming a desk worker because I was just sitting at my laptop all day, like reaching out to agents. And I know what that's like. And yeah. just trying to like hold emails. Yeah, like, come on, please, 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 yeah. please, 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 please. And just becoming this desperate actor. Yeah. I was just like, God damn, man. Like I got it, into this business because I loved the, uh, the kinetic energy, the kinetic energy. And also just like this idea that, you know, we are, we are like living truthfully in, in, uh, in imaginary circumstances and we're trying to like create these real things and and i'm trying to like find a way to express my own sense of the human condition and all the while i'm like neglecting all of my humanity by just being this slave to the yeah to the to the industry that i knew nothing about i just had fallen into it i'd been super lucky right place right time type of situation so you had your reality check i had my reality check it was like oh my god this sucks yeah and i was also like dating a new girl that was living out here in new york and we were doing long distance and it was just super rough man like my friends used to call me jp droopins when i was in LA because I was just super sad no and like I know. droopy and yeah. like pissed and just not happy and you know it just sucked man I was just unhappy so I moved back to New York and I and I like really started trying to like find an agent that was gonna like believe in me and get on board with me but dude honestly I like in retrospect wasn't really on board with myself man. yeah like I was so I was so lost and like misguided and thinking just because of my my experience with getting work and 
then not getting work and yeah. then having that reality check i was just like damn like who am i or what is what is my artistic voice if i'm actually going to be an actor why do i even want to be an actor to begin with like, yeah what is any of this even supposed to mean and, and is there value yeah, yeah. like do i actually want to do this yeah. actually if it's yeah. not going to be easy yeah and so, you know, I started asking myself all those questions. And of course, it was just like, I'm stressed out. I'm going to go get fucked up. <laughs> Deal with it that way. Yeah. Deal with it that way. And, um, and yeah, you know, it took me like three years after I moved back here to really find like the agent and the manager that I'm with now. Um, and then like a couple of years Who's after your manager? that. Who's your manager? My manager's name is Allison Renzel. Okay. She, she has her own company called AR Entertainment. Okay. And, uh, you know, she brought me on really early, but it was just like, I wasn't going out right away. And I wasn't like, it, it takes I, a while. I wasn't seeing any rooms. I wasn't meeting casting directors and I was getting really frustrated. Cause I was like, well, somebody else will take me on and like yeah. put me on. It was like, no dude, like this is just the reality of this business. You got to put your time in, yeah. pay you your dues. To, you have to practice patience yeah. and you got to like work while you're not working totally. at the same time. Like don't just expect the phone to ring and, and for it to pick up and, and yeah. have a job. And I remember, I remember one day, like a year after I'd gotten with my agent, I had been on like eight auditions the whole year and I was like, all right, man, I need to go in there and I need to like have a conversation with them. I'm going to build up the courage to go and like face them and tell them. Cause you know, when you're first signed with an agent, you're like, oh my God, like I'm I got a book, I got a book, I got a book, I got a book, I don't even yeah. know how to approach them because yeah. they seem like they're my they boss. They didn't respond to my email. They yeah, hate yeah, me. yeah, 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 you yeah, just, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Rather than treating them, rather than treating them like you employ them, you yeah. do the opposite and you're yeah. just like, oh, they employ me. Like I'm, yeah. oh God, I hope they like me yeah. and this and that. So I finally went in there and I was just like, and this Diane, the, the lady yeah. that you've met. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, Diane, I'm super fucking nervous, like sweating, you know, back into my eyes. Like yeah. I used to back on stage. <laughs> I, see I was like, Diane, I'm, I'm um, I, I just, I just really needed to come in here and, and have this like honest dialogue with you about, you know, where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. And I just really want to know how I can help you help me. And she said, Julian, you can start by booking the shit that we put you out on. And that was it. And I was just like, punch right in the fucking face yeah. again, man. Like Jesus, dude, like, like all you have to do is just book the stuff we've already put you out on. Like quit complaining. We've put you out on stuff. You have a rep, uh, an agent. Yeah. We've put you on auditions. Book it. Just book it. Don't come in here asking how we can help you. We're helping you. Yeah. Just book it. And I was just like, okay, well, easier said than done. Yeah. Sure enough, like, so I don't you know change how your preparation. Did you start even, working I with don't a coach? No, man. I honestly, thought yeah, I started working with a. Co I started working uh, out of a studio. I started because I wasn't going to school anymore. Yeah. I, I was like hoping that my auditions were going to be the kind of like the like the practice that I would get in yeah. acting. And I was like, well, I'm auditioning, so like you know that's my practice. Yeah. It's like that's not that's yeah. not enough, man. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta exercise. Yeah, like any musician, you gotta you right. gotta play your scales. Totally, yeah, totally. So I went to uh, a school that I was. Uh, recommended by to uh called the terry schreiber studio yeah terry schreiber where i met uh peter jensen who still to this day uh does coaching for me and he just uh, teaches this like scene study class that i became a part of so this month-to-month -month scene study class that you work on plays and you just work on like you know material that's that's that you can sink your teeth into and, and get into and so i went there and i really just started like loving doing it. scales and it was like yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. i was like man I wasn't craving booking work as much as I was just craving being 
creative. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to be able to exercise these muscles and I just didn't, I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I went in there and I was working on really cool stuff and I was kind of getting my flow and I started booking stuff. You know, I just started like slowly. No, I mean, it's not like what it was, was the just first like, thing you booked. Uh, out here, it was Blue Bloods. Wow. You know, it was uh, the cop show, the procedure. Was that Bowling Misha? Bowling Misha, yeah. 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 Which was great because then thereafter, they were like, okay, cool. Now we're going to book you for Quantico. And now we're going to book you for Madam Secretary. And now we're going to book you for Mr. Robot. And now we're going to book you for Gotham. Was, was it like, Beth that gave you all that? or I, Honestly, I've never even met Beth. No I've way. only met, she has like five different assistants. Freya and yeah, Michael. Freya, yeah, 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 all those people. Yeah. And uh, they're all great, man. They're all like my favorite casting people in the world. It's a great office. But I've, ne- I've <laughs> funny enough, actually, uh, Beth came into the bar that I was working at one day. And like, of course, I know her by reputation. Yeah. But, and she must know me. Because you booked every I've one booked, of her shows. I've booked on all of her shows. Um, but like, we've never met. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm in this. I'm in this situation now where I'm like her bartender. You got the low power. <laughs> yeah, and she like totally like kind of put her face down and was just like, I don't want to be talked to you right now. I feel like honestly, casting directors are probably like more famous than actors are in I this I know town. exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know, so they're just like, I don't want to fucking talk to any of these actors, yeah. dude. Like, God damn it. Of course, dude. they're all bartenders yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So, um she put her face down and, and like I was like in my head like should I buy her a drink like should I not buy her a drink should did I, you no I was just like I'm not, I'm not. and like I give everybody free drinks yeah, dude like yeah, I was uh, just like no because that's gonna be a move so you guys neither of you addressed didn't the even, elephant no, didn't even address it yeah, at all yeah um which probably to you know was the best thing I could have done I didn't I didn't want to bug her man and but yeah to go back to it like they she casted me in everything so, and like still brings me in I, I they're they've been a great office to me too, yeah. and one of the best. Uh, shout out Beth Bowling and Kim Misha. But so talk to me then about co-star guest star. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know, as an actor, there becomes a tier of things. There's co-star being the lowest tier, right. where you have one to two lines. Mm-hmm. Guest star, five lines and and up. Mm-hmm. Then you have reoccurring. Then you have supporting principal, and then series regular. Yeah, and co-star guest star auditions are really difficult because. You don't get the script, you have no context, and you have sometimes two to three lines, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. How did you nail those? I don't think I did. I just honestly feel like when you're at that level and you are going in for these three, four line things that are that, that have no context to them, all you really are is an accessory to the storyline. Yeah. So all they're really looking for is a look totally. and a sound. Yeah. And like a person who they can trust to be on a multi-million dollar set. Who's not going to be an alien. Who's not going to fuck things up. Yeah. And not going to make it weird. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, man. Like I think, I was so weird because my, the first thing, the Blue Bloods thing was like a three line thing. Yeah. Know? And, uh. And I remember walking to the call, they had a callback for it, which was so strange because most of the stuff that I've booked since then has just been like, you just book it. Yeah. If you do it, you book it. Um, but I had a callback and I went in and they were shooting right outside the casting office and Donnie Wahlberg was, um, shooting a scene yeah. right outside the office. And I walked in and, you know, I looked all nervous and shit. And he was just like, yo, bro, going to go for an audition? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He was like, Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, 
And that was it. Yeah. And that was like all I wanted. And yeah. I like walked in and I was like had this giant smile. Yeah, like, so I was just like, that's so awesome. Yeah, you man. got it. And I got it. Yeah. yeah. And I like and, and and there was really no rhyme or reason to it, man. Like yeah. I felt good, I felt happy, but there was also a lot of auditions that I walked into where I was like I felt horrible. Yeah. And when you're going when you're going for like five plus auditions a week, yeah. you know, like you're going in every day, sometimes three, four auditions in a day, it, which gets like overwhelming yeah. and you feel ill after the fact. Because you get a dialogue on yeah, your hours, it's, it's not. It's crazy. Yeah. You forget who you are in yeah. rooms sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go in and, and you, and they're like, oh, you booked that one. And you look back, you're like, oh shit, like who was, who was that? Yeah. You go back and you look at it and you're like, really? Why? Why did I book that? Yeah. I have no idea. I felt great about the one that I didn't book. Yeah. I didn't really feel that good about that one. And honestly, the one that I just booked, I felt horrible about it. It's so funny. It's been the same for me. Everything I book is like, I'm never hearing from them again. And then the stuff that I'm like, that was the best audition of my life. Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, like, I got I got put on on hold for uh, for a uh, Orange is the New Black thing. Um, I was It was going to be my first... Uh, like recurring character on the show. And I was super excited because I went and got the call back. I went to the call back. I did it. I like, I, I, I got put on hold. So I was being paid at the same time to like wow. be on hold for this role. And I was like, well, it's working. It's going to play. I was yeah. waiting to basically go They're on. They're investing and start in doing you. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And then like a month later, they called me back. My agents called me and they were like, Hey, we just want to let you know that unfortunately, um, the role has been canceled. They've taken the role out of the script and they're not going to be using him at all, but we got paid. So, and I was like, at that point, in that moment, I realized that this was really something that I wanted to do because I, I discovered that I would have rather done the job for free yeah. than have gotten paid to not do it. Totally. And you know, that's just how I've entered it because like, these co-star roles are there. I have no idea how, how I book them. I yeah. have no idea what changed or what sparks me. Like I have truly felt like I've walked out of rooms and called my girlfriend and been like, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know what happened. Like I just messed everything up. Yeah. And I, it, that typically doesn't have typically just walk out and I throw the sides away and I'm out. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, it was horrible. Yeah. You know, I don't talk about it if it's great. Yeah. It's just like, it was great. Whatever. It was fine. But if it's that bad, you're like, it's that bad. Yeah. And then, She's like, well, watch, you're going to book it. Sure enough, book it. And it's like, what? what? How does this work? And I honestly think they're just like, oh, we've looked at his reel. We've seen that he's booked enough of these little yeah. things. And, like, we can trust him. And it's what does that do to trust. your confidence on a set? Like, you know, for example, when, when you when you book something like you did for Mr. Robot, mm -hmm. and it happened to be a historic episode because they mm -hmm. did the faux one-shot yeah. episode. Yeah. Like, what, what does that do for your confidence? All of a sudden, you have Sam Esmail, you have Rami Malek, and you're doing the scene. Yeah. Like, are are you feeding off them, or are you just kind of doing it the way you did it in the audition? Well, at that point, I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd, I had been on this streak of a bunch of these co-star, like guest star jobs that I was like, yes, awesome. Like, I keep booking, I keep booking, and this was the first show that I actually liked that I was going to be on. Yeah, so I was like, cool. Like, finally something, something I'm a fan of. Something, yeah, yeah, that like I can really be excited about. Yeah. Although the role was really small, I was still just like, this is going to be awesome because I'm a big fan of Rami. And you're sharing the screen Sam, with him. Sharing the screen with him. So it was, 
honestly, man, like the scariest thing I've ever done <laughs> as an actor, just because of the technical precision. Oh, of, yeah. Well, yeah. Just, not, just because like, you know, that show as just aesthetically is yeah. already so like dialed in and focused. Very and, like, Kubrickian. Very. Yeah. yeah. You can tell that like the set will like the way you think the set is run is is how it's run. Yeah. Um very very like concentrated and very technical and um this specific episode was all this supposed to be like one track yeah one consecutive in that shot. building yeah and so my part my small uh little like dialogue scene between rami was at the tail end of like a six minute segment that they were doing from like the bottom of the of the building up through the building into the elevator up the elevator around like getting out of the elevator up through like the staircase going through getting caught coming back down like reaching back getting into the elevator again coming back up then getting into the e-core office and like talking to like four people before coming and seeing me yeah and they're doing like they're like averaging four minute segments so this is actually like a long segment as well so they've like and they're they're averaging like 25 takes to each segment wow that's what they were saying and I was so scared, man, because it's like, okay, you're at the very end of this. If you, if they get to me, it means they've accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. And you fuck it up. They got to go do it, it again. So I'm not, I'm not thinking about the lines or about my character, but, and like, again, it's a small role. So yeah. it's not, like, it's that, big, yeah. it's not that precious. They don't care about your Zodiac symbol. They don't care symbol. about me. They don't care about me at all, man. But at the same time, like, I'm just, all I can think about is don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. You have one job. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. And sure enough, like, they do it, they do it, they go over. There's this woman, this poor woman, man, who was so sweet and so, so great. I befriended her while we were out there shooting, and, uh, she was supposed to do this, like, little, this little moment in the, in the thing that just, like, wasn't reading the right way. And so, Sam cut came up to her and was just like hey like let's not be so theatrical with that little moment yeah uh, let's like let's try it again yeah you know kind of like let's try it again yeah so, all right like kind of gritting his teeth they go back they reset they do it again and she does it again cut he's like hey look like you don't have to be theatrical with this please like stop doing what you're doing and just be like simple yeah it's very it's a very easy moment yeah. just do the easy moment all the while, like, I'm the next thing they're coming to. So I'm just like, I'm like, so this she kind was of fuck, feels she was she's fucking, fucking the take. She's fucking the take up, like, right before they get to me. So I'm like, God, I'm like so grateful that it's her right now. <laughs> she does it a third time, dude. And Sam comes out of Video Village area and is just like, dude, like, like gets pissed. Yeah. And he's like, comes up to her. He's like, I'm going to take you out completely unless you just fucking do. And like, I was like, whoa, dude, this is crazy. Yeah. So now that's layered in on yeah. top of my anxiety about having to deliver these lines. He's like pissed. Yeah. And they're coming to me. They're coming to me. They're coming. I see they finish her. They get through her. And I'm just like, oh my. And again, like this is again, these six minute segments. Yeah. Every time they go and reset, yeah. they have to do the whole thing over again. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. I'm just like, oh my God. 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 Don't fuck up lines. Don't fuck up lines. I see Rami walking to me. I'm just like, oh my God. The camera's coming at me. I'm thinking nothing but fucking don't mess this up. Don't yeah. mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And I, honestly, I'm surprised that I didn't just say don't fuck this up. When talking <laughs> to me. Because that was all that was coming through my brain. And, I bet. And if I watch that episode in that little part. Yeah. It, that's 
I, I'm saying dialogue, but I'm not thinking yeah. dialogue. But it works perfect because, like, he asks you a weird thing and you have to get up and leave. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't attest any, any of that yeah. to, like, having any type of technical ability as an actor. It was, <laughs> there was no acting being done. It was strictly me just trying not to shit my pants. Totally. And freak out. Uh, but it worked. And then they, like, as soon as they finished with me, they were like, all right, that's it. And it, uh, and honestly, like, that's how all of my experiences have been. Like, you go on, you you stand on your mark, you yeah. get in your light, you say, you deliver your dialogue, and then they're like, get the fuck out of here. We yeah. don't care about you. We never did. Like, yeah. leave. Yeah. You're not welcome here anymore. Yeah. And just like, oh, I came in thinking I was a stud yeah. because I booked this television show. But you're but an I'm escort. Not. Yeah. I'm just a fucking accessory <laughs> to your thing. Yeah. I'm just like a little, a little pawn yeah. in your game. Yeah. Here's Cap Fair. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's kind of demoralizing, you know? I, I know. And so- you know, I've gone on to do a, you know, a handful of these television shows as co-star guest stars, and I feel like I'm really. Are you now this, going up for? I'm that going, you built these. Are you going in for series regulars? I am. I, I am. You know, I, I went. I told my agents that I was like, I, I don't want to even go in for these small like. Yeah, you've done enough of them. Roles you've anymore. done like, five to ten of them at this point. It's it's not fun for me. It's it's not cool and. Uh, I just want to be going in for stuff that's that's a little bit more substantial. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we get it. Like, that's a good move. Let's do that. So they started doing that. And that was like the year of 2018. And I watched how, like, my number of rooms that I was going into just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm and smaller. sure you started to see some familiar faces. And I was seeing familiar faces being like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. You know, while these guys. And McKenzie's doing. going up for this role. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Man. Like, I don't. I don't belong here. But then being like, no, shut up, dude. Like, yeah. you do belong here. You've yeah. been asked to be here. Um, and getting really close, you know. And it was funny because I was getting, like, they call it pinned in the business. I'm yeah. sure you know of it. And it's basically just when they, like, literally pin your picture up on a wall next to all the other people who they're considering for the role. Yeah. Um, after the auditions. And I was getting that a lot. I was getting callbacks all the time. But I just, like, I couldn't, I couldn't book, man. I couldn't book. And yeah. I was just, like, I don't know what the problem is. Like, the casting likes me. They keep telling me all these good things. They keep saying all these nice things. But it just didn't work. And I was just, like, you know, agents, I'm not going in enough. And when I am, like, it's working. But, like, I'm not booking. And, like, just start sending me out on the small stuff again. Like, yeah. I just want to get wanna into work. rooms. I just yeah. want to get into rooms. Yeah. And I want to be, like, establishing my relationship with casting people. Yeah. And I don't want to uh to like be forgotten yeah you know so just put me back out again so sure enough like earlier this year they like started putting me back out for everything and like boom boom like these little co-star roles just like Wait. I, it was funny because i went i went into the room and all of a sudden i was surrounded by these young kids who were like you know doing body rolls and breathing exercises <laughs> in the audition room. i was like oh shit that's exactly how i used to be now yeah. that i've like you know now that i've graduated a, li a small level up and i'm in these different rooms yeah. with a different caliber of actor who are just much more easygoing and seasoned I go back down to a place where these young actors are trying to book their first yeah. co-star spot. You know, they're trying to get on TV for the first time in their lives yeah. and they're freaking out. And I think, you know, not to my, not to credit my talent or ability at all. It's just the fact that I'm like not nervous yeah. in that, in that environment anymore. And I just booked like two, two jobs back to back. Not when, what, in 2019, what, what, uh, it was the new CBS show FBI and yeah. Blacklist. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. I, Harry Lennox, my buddy, uh, is the lead on that show. Well, outside of Spader, he just did an episode. Which, who, who I don't, all I met was, uh, uh, Amir Atkinson. Yeah, Amir's great. He was, he was really cool. And Diego something and Megan Boone. You met, um, uh, this is Harry. Uh, 
Oh yeah, no, yeah, the man. That's my homie. That's a seasoned dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He just in, he's the he's the best. Yeah, he's what a he's, great. he's been a true brother to me. Cool. Yeah, yeah. but that's great, it, man. It, it, it's great, man. And you know, I I feel like I don't know. I I I don't have like I'm trying to just let go of the whole ego and be like I don't. Like, I don't care what you put me out for. I don't care what I'm getting. I just want to like, I just want to practice and I just want to get good. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm in New York specifically because I want to be a good actor, not yeah. because I want to be an actor. Yeah. You know, I, I would be in LA if I just wanted to be an actor, you know, if I wanted to just like have a face and be a thing, but like, I want to get really good at this thing. And, and I feel like the, the place where I'm getting that the most is honestly in doing friends projects now Yeah, because I'm getting this like, yeah, I came and saw control. you in that play that you did at yeah, Playlight man. Horizons. Yeah. You guys are developing that into a short, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, just like just doing that kind of stuff, you know, like doing short plays or doing short films or going on and doing these like web series that I'm working on now with like friends who, who are like hungry. These are friends yeah. who, who were, too frustrated because they couldn't find an agent yeah. to even get an audition. Yeah. They're like, shut the fuck up, Julian. You're lucky. And I'm yeah. like, you're, you're right. Yeah. I am. They're like, we can't find any of that stuff. It's so challenging just to find representation yeah. at all, yeah. you know, that like these people are like, are developing shows for themselves and they're just reaching out to me and they're like, hey man, like you're our friend that books all the work. Yeah, so, like, we want you, you to come be Brad Pitt on our thing. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, yeah, man. And then, th and it's there yeah. that I get to kind of like have creative control and I get to just kind of be a goofball and fuck around and just have Amazing. fun. And it's so nice, man. And it's so much better. And, and I really feel like I'm at this point, you know, it's like I've, it's like I've graduated from, from high school yeah and i'm in college and i've like walked on to the college team and i'm a freshman yeah kind of like trying to make my plays yeah prior to like getting into the pros totally and i'm like i'm in the gym every day i'm like coach look at me look yeah. at me look at me i'm exercising i'm exercising i'm exercising and they're like hey man just keep working out because like eventually you're going to be a sophomore and then you're going to be a junior and a senior and like you know if you keep putting in your plays and if you keep like getting your highlight reel yeah. all fixed up and doing really well and like making awesome plays when we do put you in we're going to get you to the pros. And I just feel like kind of that's my metaphor for like where I'm at right now. And I'm, and I'm okay with that, you that's know, great. because for such a long time, I just wanted to skyrocket and I thought that was my trajectory. Yeah. And now I'm just like, no, I just want to be like increasingly taking baby steps yeah. and just growing and learning more about myself and being okay with the fact that I'm, you know, not the next giant thing. And honestly, don't really want to be the next big thing. Yeah. Man. I just want to like, you want to work be good, man. Yeah. I just want to be good and like, learn more about what my voice is and, and, and who I am as a creative person and just like get to know myself one character at a time, man. Like Day that time, expression. Man. And I'm just grateful that this is something that I picked now because it's just, it's so great, man. And, it's, and, and, and the challenge of being an actor altogether is kind of like, worth it in and of itself you know it's just like this is part of the process man this is the bed we made yeah and this like we could have this same podcast conversation 10 years from now and it'll be a much different conversation totally but like the fact that you know this is where we're at and this is like what we're thankful for and and what we're and what we're able to talk about five years ago man we would have been like oh yeah what are we gonna i know talk about? i know you know what are, what is there what, <sighs> how, how can we I don't have anything. I don't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's cool, man. And we just, we grow, man. Yeah. We grow every single, every day. And it's. So what, what, what's next for you in 2019? You got any projects you can, you can plug here? Now's your plug. Yeah, moment. man. Well, I'm, I'm part of, like, again, I said, you know, I'm part of these, all these friends projects right yeah. now. 
um, a girlfriend of mine named Amanda Bear uh, has this show called Bumbled, mm-hmm. which is kind of her like a late twenty something take on the swipe culture. Got it. In New York City in 2019, which you know is it's a pretty topical uh, uh, theme. Yeah. And uh, it's just this really goofy, kind of like funny web series that uh, I play her ex-boyfriend that just kind of keeps coming back, that keeps showing up. She, it's, it's obviously about like her bumble dates and like what she's, all yeah. of these experiences she goes out on with all these just ridiculous dudes. Um, and I play this like constant dude that keeps coming back and just like showing up. And I'm just such a douche and such a doofus and like... It's so fun, man. It's yeah. so fun to have that. That's what this is about, uh, man. If you're not, you know, a, a, a dear friend and teacher at NYU once told me, you know, the moment this stops becoming fun, get out. Oh, yeah. You know, and I yeah. I, I was kind of like, I never knew what he meant by that. But then as I kind of grew into it, I know what he meant. Mm-hmm. And th- there's no point in this unless we're having fun. Yeah, totally, man. And I'm having I'm having such a blast doing that Uh and, and, you know, it's, it's all short lived. You know, you go and you do these things and you're like, oh man, like, how can I get back on? Like, yeah. Can keep, keep filming more. Keep but filming that's more. the adrenaline. But, but yeah, it is. And I've, and I've also kind of started to, well, started to about three years ago, uh, I started writing a script, um, a feature film called Phases. And it chronicles the five phases of grief, uh, through the storyline of a, an actor who plays a military hero on television. And, uh, a transgender military hero who's been discharged from the Marines for wow. her injury, but also because of her orientation. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the dichotomy between, uh, an actor who's praised for his performance yeah. on a television show being a hero and a real hero who's chastised because of their identity, their identity and, um, the relationship they're in. Um, and uh yeah and it's called phases because it kind of like follows the arc of the five phases of grief and i love how they're i'm gonna come at you for a role in that i do transgender very well (laughs) yeah man well i'd love to just everyone's hiring transgender but why don't you hire someone to play yeah seriously seriously Uh, i'm at you man great dude this is an incredible conversation what's what's a good way for people to stay in touch with you um i am on facebook and instagram uh just at julian gavilanis spell that out J-U-L-I-A-N-G-A-V-I-L-A-N-E-S. Awesome. Yeah, and then there's a JulianGavalonis.com, whatever, you know. Dude, thank you so much for being here. I got Dude, so much love so much for you, for and I think me, it's, it's going to be a great, the next five years, I just know it, man. Yeah. It's great things are in store for you. Feelings mutual, man. Yeah. yeah I really appreciate it. This is awesome, man. Kudos right. to you for doing this. Yeah, thing. love you, brother. Love you, man. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.